Welcome to Dr. Eric's Relentless Vitality Podcast. Our focus is on optimizing physical and mental vitality, maximizing performance, and extending lifespan. Dr. Eric is a licensed physician with a wealth of expertise in age management and preventive medicine, whose goal is enabling his patients to stay young, feel their best, and enjoy a higher quality of life. Hello, everyone. It's Dr. Eric, the fitness physician. I'm going to continue on my hormonal series, and uh, we're going to be talking about hormones and body weight, body weight, fat loss, fat gain, and all of that. There's, this is going to be a series. I'm going to break it up into segments. We don't have one big section at a time. I did a PowerPoint uh, keynote presentation, so I don't have to write as much on my grease board. But for those of you who want to see that, let me know. So uh, let's get started. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, some general principles first. Most of the time, what we find with uh, with fat loss and weight gain, optimal metabolism, especially in today's modern society, is that we're basically rover fed, but we're undernourished. And you've probably heard of that before, but uh, a lot of the foods nowadays, unfortunately, are devoid of nutrients. They're devoid and weak, low in nutrients and the things that our body actually needs, but they're full of calories. Think of like ice cream, uh, candy, things like that, loaded with calories, sugar, and fat, which is a dangerous combination, which I'll talk about in the future. And basically, very rewarding, very um, addicting. Quite frankly, they're made. A lot of foods are made that way uh, to get by the food companies to get us to eat more food. So a lot of calories, but they're kind of empty. They don't provide the micronutrients, the vitamins, the minerals, the things that we need. Therefore, our body is actually undernourished, even though we're eating more than we should. If that makes sense, we're craving more. Our bodies are crying out for these nutrients. We're not getting it. So that's the next next uh, key factor is fat loss versus weight loss. This has been talked about for a long time. Of course, we want to lose the fat. And a lot of people worry about their weight and, and maybe their weight, the scale is not moving, but they're looking better. Their body, their picture, the body composition has changed because we want to lose the fat. We want to gain the muscle and burn the, and uh, build build up that muscle, but lose that fat. And sometimes the weight won't change too much. And that's okay because obviously muscle weighs a lot more than fat. It's denser and it's thicker and it retains water. But uh, again, it's more about body composition. Fat can be highly inflammatory, so we want to burn that off and lose as much of that as possible. So it's more about body composition, look of our body, the feel of our body, and how we're feeling in general as opposed to just losing weight. Anybody can drop weight, but it has to be sustainable. So we want sustainable fat loss, not weight loss. Uh, tying into that is the importance of muscle. And I've talked about this on many of my videos, muscle, the importance of muscle. Sarcopenia or muscle loss is a big issue now. Muscle is very metab metabolically active. I've talked about that on some uh, videos I did showing the metabolism and the myokines and how important muscle is for overall homeostasis, muscle for overall metabolism, for fat burning, uh, for boosting metabolic rate, and much, much more. So we want to build that muscle. Let's quit worrying about dropping fat and getting thin as a rail. Let's focus on building our body up. We want to be bodybuilders, not the traditional kind where massively huge dudes building our body up the fat will take care of itself metabolism will take care of itself so muscle is a very important organ so we need to focus on that and everything will kind of fall into place you know and again uh, the next tier is again it's not just about calories yeah calories in calories out versus hormones that's been debated they're both important uh, it's not one versus the other but it's not just about calories because it's about hormones you know again you can eat a diet full of twinkies and be in a caloric deficit but and maybe you'll initially lose weight but you're not going to be healthy and you're going to gain that back because it has to do with your hormonal signals that you're giving your body. I did another whole series on this on YouTube, talking about the difference of this, being that hormonal hunger versus being actually hungry. There's a huge difference. So it's not just about the calories. You can eat at a balance or even a very slight caloric deficit and still lose weight and still get a better body composition because of what you're eating and those hormonal responses. I mean, get into that in this series as well. So again, uh, you don't want to starve yourself. You know, again, you can drop weight, but you're going to get it back because of metabolic compensation. 
um, it's that overshoot, right? We talked, you know, we've talked about that before and you'll see this on videos online as well. You don't want to starve yourself. It's about long-term maintenance of your, of your ideal weight, setting your body set point, your metabolic set point. People that diet really heavily, you're really harder to go through like kind of binge cycles. They gain, lose, gain, lose. They're, they are doing some metabolic damage. And that's going to be harder for them to lose weight or lose fat in the future. So, um, it's, you want to make it more of a gradual loss of fat over time so it can be sustainable and maintainable. The best diet, the best program is one that you can sustain, that you make and maintain and enjoy. It's a lifestyle change. You don't want to be miserable uh, for a few months and then gain it back later because you're miserable and you're eating foods you didn't like or whatever. So you have to find something that you like, eating foods you enjoy um, and in a lifestyle and a manner. Uh, fasting is great, but some people don't like to fast or do a different type of fasting. Uh, some people love keto, some people love high carb, but and some people hate each of those. So you have to find what works for you, something that you can maintain long-term. That's the key thing. It's about manipulating your hormones, not just starving yourself like they talk about. It's not just about calories. You know, you can be in, in flats and still getting optimal body composition without starving yourself or being in a huge deficit because it's about those hormonal responses. So the last point is anabolism versus catabolism. And again, I, again, I did a whole video series on this. Again, it's about building our body up, not breaking it down. As we get, you know, as we age, you think of that thin, stooped over, a little bit of a gut, just saggy skin. That's your body's breaking down. It doesn't have to be that way. We can build ourselves up and maintain that health and optimal health span and lifespan as we get older. So that's what it's about. Again, we don't want to be huge, massive, uh, like the Incredible Hulk kind of thing, but we want to maintain that muscle, maintain that vitality through our lifetime. So the goals for fat loss, you know, and muscle gain, number one is an increased amount of stored fat that we use as fuel. We want to burn off the fat and use it as a fuel. We want to decrease the storage of fat. We want to increase our muscle mass and maintain muscle repair and optimal muscle function and decrease muscle breakdown. So they're kind of uh, the yin and the yang. So we want to eat foods and you must eat foods to lose fat and gain muscle. It's a little contradictory. Most people think of depriving themselves or starving themselves, but you have to eat. And sometimes you can eat more than what you think and you're going to lose weight and lose fat. It sounds crazy, but it's definitely possible. You can do body recomposition if you do it right. So it's about the type of food and the pattern, when, when you eat, what you eat, how you eat. That's going to dictate those hormonal responses, and therefore, that's going to dictate anabolism and catabolism and what happens with your fat and muscle. Again, we want to decrease the amount of storage fat and burn it. We need to increase our muscle and decrease the muscle breakdown. So it's that uh, anabolic catabolic shift, that muscle fat axis I talked about on a previous video. Check out my YouTube video. I kind of have some diagrams and talk about that. So we're going to talk about hormones and metabolism. We're going to talk about thyroid, progesterone, estradiol, glucagon, adiponectin, epinephrine, and norepinephrine. Those are highly involved in many things with the metabolism. Hormones and muscle, testosterone, DHEA, growth hormone, IGF-1, massively important. Hormones and appetite, there's a bunch. Leptin, ghrelin, GIP, GLP, CCK, PYY, sounds like alphabet soup, right? Uh, glucagon, insulin, and then there's melatonin and the neurotransmitters, dopamine, noradrenaline, serotonin, GABA. And the last ones we're going to talk about are hormones and fat, which are like cortisol, insulin, estradiol, leptin, and ghrelin. So uh, we're going to dig into that in the next time. That's it for part one, and I will see you for part two. Hello everyone, Dr. Eric, continuing on my hormonal series about appetite, weight loss, weight gain, muscle gain, muscle loss, all that fun stuff. So I did a nice intro. Today we're going to dive into some of these hormones. So today we're going to talk, we're going to start talking about leptin and ghrelin. These are two pretty cool ones we're learning more and more about every day. So uh, this is a quick uh, picture of the appetite and hunger hormones. They're kind of the yin and the yang, hence the kind of the cool circular picture here. So uh, adipose cells tend to uh, basically uh, help secrete and produce and stimulate leptin production, which of course then goes to the brain. 
uh, to tell the brain certain things to do, which I'll get into. Same with ghrelin, uh, typically produced uh, multiple places, but most notably in the intestines. Uh, the intestines, of course, also make these increment molecules, which I'll talk about later. So it's a, it's a beautiful cycle. They, they both affect the brain. And these are, again, the, uh, kind of the opposite here. So uh, stomach empty, stomach full. I like simple, right? So uh, when your stomach's empty, when you're hungry, your ghrelin goes up and that indicates appetite. So if you've been fasting for a while and when you get up in the morning, you're hungry, your, your belly's grumbling, you, that's ghrelin acting and telling your body to eat. So your appetite goes up. Now on the flip side, uh, your satiety hormones go down. Those are the things we'll talk, again, we'll get into the CCK, the GLP-1, PYY, and leptin. Uh, and then the flip side, of course, when you're full, in a, in a full state, it's the opposite. Ghrelin goes down, all the other ones go up. So it's a nice balance. Our, bal our bodies are very smart. It tells us it, it kind of balances things out, things out in a certain way. So uh, in an overfeeding state, of course, you can have too much leptin produced. And of course, typically you'll have uh, more food intake and less energy expenditure um, because of leptin resistance. We'll talk about that in a few slides, but when leptin's down, kind of the opposite, right? So when you're in a starving state and you're lean, uh, reproductive hormones go down, thyroid goes down, IGF-1 goes down. Why? It's our body's evolutionary thing. When you're starving and you're very, very hungry, your body wants to conserve energy. So you don't want to have the, have those hormones in place uh, to procreate, basically decrease the hormones. Your thyroid's going to drop because you don't want thermogenesis. You want to decrease heat production. You want to decrease your metabolism. You want to slow things down, preserve as much energy as possible to survive. And that's why it, that's why that happens. And again, and this is uh, this is how we've evolved. And again, it's typically this is a true starving state or or extended periods of, of this. And this is why long-term dieting, as we talked about in the first one, just doesn't work because our body adapts. And, and your body, the metabolism slows down. It has to do with your metabolic set point and the set point theory, et cetera. So same with energy excess. Typically, when you're full, when you eat a lot, it, it increases leptin and when you stop eating, you get full. However, the problem is that the brain, when you're, when you're hitting the signal all the time, your brain becomes leptin resistant. So the normal leptin signal will stop working, kind of like insulin resistance. It just stops working. And then you continue to eat and continue to get weight. And it's a vicious, vicious cycle. So uh, a lot of verbiage here, but the, I just kind of wanted to have this on paper so you could see it. But basically, in states of energy deficiency, again, uh, starvation, fasting, et cetera, your leptin levels will decrease. So your food intake will, will increase. Um, because again, you'll have these increased expression of what they call orexigenic and neuropeptides, which are orexigenic meaning wanting to eat again, things like ghrelin. Um, and you have the decreased expression of the anorexigenic uh, neuropeptides. Again, the ones we talked about earlier, this is the origin of the word anorexia because um, no, not eating. Um, so uh, basically, um, you know, the orexigenic peptides make you eat anorexic, uh, anorexigenic, say that five times fast, the opposite. So uh, again, as, and on the previous slide, I showed you how the leptin modulates uh, pathways in the brain, the hindbrain, and the mesolimbic system affecting dopamine and other neurotransmitters to increase food intake. Um, it also affects the sympathetic nervous system to decrease energy expenditure, as I talked about. So in states of energy excess or obesity or constant overfeeding, again, the leptin levels will go up. But again, uh, the effects on the brain and the central nervous system are blunted because of insulin resistance. So uh, that's the problem. So here's some general factors affecting leptin levels. Again, they'll go up with uh, things like an inflammation, overfeeding, too much glucose, too much, too much insulin, and factors that will reduce them, things like fasting, cold exposure, thyroid hormone, and testosterone, and of course, low energy states. Um, so again, these are just some of the effects of leptin uh, showing how once it's in the brain, your brain tells the liver, stop glucose production, increase glucose uptake, uh, lower the insulin glucagon secretion, et cetera. So leptin in general, it's produced in the fat tissue, and it tells the brain that you're full. And it affects satiety, affects metabolic rate, et cetera. So typically, the more fat you have, interestingly, the higher leptin. But again, 
So you would think, okay, I'm, why, why are people getting fat? Then again, it comes to leptin resistance. Leptin levels are correlated with insulin levels very tightly. So insulin resistance and leptin resistance are very correlated. Uh, and it's a very complex interplay. Uh, leptin, uh, in, in some ways, can affect high, things like thyroid hormone and, and lower it. In other ways, they can uh, raise it. Um, again, typically what starts is that it's usually the, again, in, uh, on the flip side, insulin can affect leptin levels as well. So if they're chronically elevated, again, you can get insulin resistance, which of course can predispose to obesity, metabolic syndrome, prediabetes, but it also affects leptin. Uh, and again, it, it's the chicken and the egg thing. They, they work hand in hand. And we're still kind of getting into the details and the sign. There's a lot of more and more studies every day kind of delineating exactly how this works. But the bottom line is that they're, they go hand in hand. And unfortunately, they are typically caused by the same things. Again, we'll talk about this, but you think of the, again, chronic elevations of these things by too much uh, refined carbohydrates or too much, just a bad diet, lack of exercise, inflammation, stress, uh, lack of sleep, et cetera, et cetera. So when these, when you get insulin resistance, they typically tend to have leptin resistance and they're very related. So again, even though you're eating more and more, uh, it, the brain is just not getting that signal. It's just, it's numbed that because it's resistant. So the leptin levels stay elevated. You continue to eat, your metabolic rate continues to stay low. The fructose issue is tied into this too. Fructose is, as uh, I talked about in an older ser series I did months ago on my YouTube channel about uh, again, the natural fructose, like in a fruit, is okay, but a lot of us are eating too much artificial uh, fructose, high fructose corn syrup, and everything's in cookies and candies and everything else. And the problem with fructose is it doesn't signal things properly, and you store a lot of that uh, in the liver, and eventually the liver gets over full, and you get insulin resistance in the liver, which then predisposes you to insulin resistance elsewhere, and you can get fatty liver, metabolic syndrome, ectopic storage of fat, and more. Again, check out my YouTube videos on this. Uh, Dr. Jason Funk talks about this a lot as well. So it's another. Uh, nutrient you have to be very, very careful with. Um, so bottom line is that leptin resistance, insulin resistance uh, are very, very correlated. So uh, that again, the ghrelin, leptin, I just want to give a quick intro. I'm going to do some more <clears throat> talks about this in the future. I want to give a nice intro to this and a couple of visuals as well uh, to talk about that. So one last thing is that leptin is also invo involved in steroidogenesis and the production of our, our beneficial sex hormones. Uh, so again, when you get this, these chronic elevated levels and leptin resistance, it can actually block testosterone and some other beneficial hormones. Um, and then you can this, and then there could be a problem with additional fat gain and impaired lipolysis, the impaired ability to burn that fat. So it's not just so it's involved in many many things. This is why, of course, when we optimize our hormones, uh, not only improve our metabolism, but we can get fat gain or fat loss and lipolysis uh, moving again. So, um, so what are some things you could do to optimize leptin? Um, most important thing is to improve insulin resistance, right? Uh, and we talked about that many many times. I'll talk about that in the future. In terms of supplements, and basic things like African mango, L-carnitine, taurine, calcium, um, alpha-lipoic acid, and of course, all the nutrients that can help you improve insulin function as well. The biggest one, of course, is to reduce inflammation, not just in the body, but in the brain, reduce neuroinflammation, a balanced diet, lower carbohydrate diet, things like omega-3 fatty acids, obviously stress reduction and optimal sleep, resistance training, moderate cardio and HIIT training, like interval training, and of course, fasting. All of these things can reduce inflammation. Of course, we talk about other things like optimizing our hormones, peptide therapies, um, stress reduction, um, and, and, uh, and again, optimal nutrition. So uh, these are a few of the things that uh, you can do to optimize leptin levels, and we'll talk about ghrelin as well. So um, that's it for this part. Tune in for the next time. We'll, we'll continue on with our series, okay? Everyone have a great day, and we will talk to you soon. This is Dr. Eric.